Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast, Season 1, Episode 51. Uh, this podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the uh, phenomenal opportunity to, to have Dick Foth back on the podcast as we sit down and spend some time on Back Channel with Foth. And that's when listeners send in questions and um, we present those to Dick and we get to learn from his wisdom and insight. After Back Channel with Foth, we're going to jump into our um, interview today with Pastor Francis Chan um, from from Hong Kong as he's now there serving as a missionary. We're going to talk about self-leadership. Dick, so so glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being with us again today. Thank you. My delight as always. First question a listener sent in was, how can we develop self-awareness? Does, a, does the listener have another question? <laughs> I don't know. That was, there was two of them. They're, they're, those, yes, are the, no, yeah. it, a, those are good questions. I, you know, in, in my understanding, self-awareness and self-confidence um, um, being, uh, my son would call it being comfortable in your own skin. Th- those things uh, grow in our in our lives. Um, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Exodus three, where Moses, who is wanted for murder in Egypt, that he committed years before, he's now an eighty year old dude like me, almost eighty, and he sees the burning bush that doesn't burn up, and he goes and he. And the voice is talking to him out of the bush in Exodus 3, and they're having this conversation, and God tells him he wants to go back and set the people free and all that. And stalling for time, this is my, this is my um, take on it. And Moses is a stutterer. Uh, I, from age f- 5 to age 28, was a stutterer. So I get all this, and I hear Moses essentially saying, well, who, who, uh, who, who am I? that I should go do that, you know, because he didn't want to go. So he, he's back <laughs> and, uh, and God says, I want you to go. And then he essentially says, who are you? Yeah. You know, which God is sending me? I think those two questions are the basis for self-awareness. Hmm. Who are you? Who is the God who created me? And secondly, what did you create me or who did you create me to be? Hmm. And uh, I think what you created me to do is a is a backstroke question. That's a that comes out of who who am I? Yeah. And um, years ago, I was asked to speak at a missions conference for missionaries who were home on furlough, mm-hmm. and the challenge was that uh, so many missionaries were facing challenges that were both personal, oftentimes personal, sometimes work-oriented, and they would only stay one term. Yeah. And so they asked me what the title of my talk would be. And after thinking a while, I said, why don't we call my talk, After I Win the World, Who Am I? Hmm. And you know this, I know this, that, that um, when I start doubting myself, Yeah. Or, or thinking more of myself than I ought, or less of myself than I ought. If I go either of those directions, I become ineffective. Yeah. So who am I is really a, a, a significant question. And today we have aids that help us sort of 
look at these things. Very popular one in this country is the Enneagram. You know, you yeah. try to find yourself on the chart. And my problem is I find myself too many places on that chart. I say, well, can I add a couple of those together? Be a 12. <laughs> so, so that, that instrument, uh, strength finders, another instrument, I find these to be helpful. Um, one of the, one of the less sophisticated, but perhaps more, um, um, insightful ways of self or finding, uh, becoming aware of myself, who I am and how I respond is to ask people with whom I spend time. Hmm. How do you see me? Yeah. What, you know, just in terms of tone, it isn't just, are you an extrovert or an introvert or whatever? It's, it's, what do you see as as my core values in terms of how I spend my time, how I spend my money. Anyway, that's a rambling response, but somewhere in there, perhaps somebody can find uh, an answer to the question in that way. No, it's, it's important. And um, you said this is something that grows over time, Dick. Is it, is it during certain seasons of your life that, that you see their self-awareness growing or is it just a, you know, is it a, this kind of a continual progression in, in that process? And do you have to, want to grow in it or does it naturally do you naturally grow and mature in your self-awareness or do you have to does there have to be some intentionality i, I think there has to be intentionality <clears throat> and sometimes i'm forced into it i think self-awareness or feeling comfortable in my own skin again to use that phrase uh often shows up under pressure so if i don't face difficulty i don't know who i am I was recently with some young, uh, some nephews of mine who are what we would call today millennials. They're in their early 30s. And they were having a conversation with a three-star general, retired. And, uh, and this one nephew said, you know, uh, I'm 15 years old and I watched the plane fly into the towers and in, in New York City back in 9-11. I wasn't responsible for that. Uh, and I was trusting that we would be safe and there's a crack in that facade. Then, then the bank system went down with, with, the, with the housing thing and I wasn't responsible for that. And then I went all the way through college and I didn't realize that I'd spend $100,000 and not be able to get a job and I wasn't responsible for that. And then I end up, you know, the church, you got people, priests with altar boys and, and major evangelical leaders falling down, all of this. And, it, and he went on to say, but we're the generation that that are told that we only had participation trophies and we've never had to face hard things and we've been sheltered and da 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 da. And he said, "My question is, how do we then deal with the hard things? We're we're not of your generation that came through the Great Depression or World War II or Vietnam or you know he just named some conflicts, yeah. civil rights movement of the sixties." And how do we deal with the hard things? And I think you become more self-aware when you're when you deal with the hard things. Wow! Because you you have to answer the question: What's important to me? Hmm. What what has God um, built me for? Yeah. And uh, and again, I I think you don't become self-aware by yourself as much as you do when other people speak into your life. That's good. That's good. That's good. The second question they, um, the listener sent in was, how can we, once we've developed our self-awareness, how can we grow in our other 
other awareness? I think that that, that was an interesting question. And when you sent it to me, I, I have pondered this a bit. Um, I think we have to believe that the Jesus in us has a keen interest in others. That it isn't just that I'm supposed to crank up an interest in others, but the, but the Jesus we follow, the whole point of the good news has to do with how does that redemptive life spill over into other people's lives? So even though I may not be, you know, some people say, well, that's for extroverts or whatever it is. Um, I've said this before, but I have two libraries. One is the one that has tree skin on it that you can purchase or you can download it to Kindle or whatever. And the other has human skin on it. <laughs> and uh, when you start reading those books, the way you read those books is by asking the right kinds of questions. Wow. And the right kinds of questions are not difficult questions. Yeah. They, are the, they are the questions that inform um, your life because there's somebody else's life yeah. that is sort of on display. And so I think believing that the Jesus in you has a keen interest in others, because that's true, and that, and that you increase your awareness of them the more you learn about them. I tend to be afraid of what I don't know, right? <laughs> so even though I may perceive you in a certain way, it's amazing what will happen when just one question I ask uh, changes that. Yeah. You know, like when when in your when in your teenage years were you the most afraid? Yeah, it's good. Everybody's scared when you're a teenager. Oh, we have bravado, and we bluster, and we're blowhards, and all that. But but that's fun. Anyway, that's my answer. No, it's good. It's good. Go, once again, gold, and um, really do appreciate it. Going to go ahead and jump into our interview with uh, Francis Chan and uh, discuss self-leadership and um, uh, go into his book, um, Letters to the Church, and um, just uh, how he is navigating this uh, time in COVID and um, what he sees uh, as God is speaking to the church um, today. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today um, with someone I've read his books, listened to many podcasts, many sermons, and so excited um, to, for him to be able to share with our, our listeners. Francis, um, so excited for you to be with us. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself to maybe those that might uh, have not have heard of you? Yeah, yeah. My name is Francis. Um, let's see, I've been a pastor for the last 30 something years, mm -hmm. been uh Married for 27 years, seven children, two grandchildren, um, living in Hong Kong currently. Yeah. Um, just moved here six months ago and uh, kind of wanted to use this as a base with the hope of getting to more of the unreached groups uh, yeah. in this general region. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously with COVID, I've been stuck here. <laughs> Not stuck here. I think by God's will uh, and sovereignty, he absolutely wanted me to um, really just stay put 
for six months, which is the first time in my life that's happened. Uh, so, uh, it's, it's good times. Yeah. yeah. Francis, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up, uh, first five years of my life was here in Hong Kong. Okay. Because my mother died uh, when she uh, gave birth to me back in the States. So I was sent here to Hong Kong for five years. And then um, when my dad remarried, I went back to the States and uh, just lived mainly in, on the West Coast, California, um, Northern and Southern California. Yeah. yeah, good deal. Good deal. Since arriving, you shared about, I sh we talked before we started, uh, you got to see the boxes in my background and the, just a very powerful point that God has us um, where he has us and for a purpose and a reason. And um, in this time, since you've got the Hong Kong, um, what has God been speaking to you about planning the church in the middle of this COVID thing that at least I didn't see coming? Maybe you did, but I didn't see it coming. What, <laughs> what, what has God been speaking to you and, about planning the church in the middle of this global uh, pandemic? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love it. I, I mean, it, it's just teaching me that, that uh, you know, there's too many people that feel like, okay, well, we just got to wait till this is over so that the church can thrive again. I go, Whoa, that's not the church I read about in scripture yeah. that they kind of put things on hold or just uh, assume mediocrity or decline until a pandemic is over. It's like, yeah. no, this is the time <laughs> we thrive. He, he promised us that he was going to build a church that the gates of hell couldn't stand against, much mm. less a, a pandemic. Yeah. And so... For me, it's a very exciting time, and it's a time to really encourage the believers um, that, gosh, we have nothing to fear, and this is not the time to be afraid or to shrink back, but to use this opportunity for his glory. Yeah. Francis, you know, I think um, you you speak with such clarity, and I think um, at least me, I'll own it as a as a missionary. Um, sometimes I struggle with that lack of clarity, and some days I get up and I'm I'm clear and focused, as you said. This God, you did this is not by surprise. I'm here to call the plant your church. What can I do? But some days I get up, and I'll be honest with you, it's not that clear. Um, so how do you find that clarity in life and mission and when you're making these decisions and how God guide and directs you on an everyday basis? Yeah. You know, like, like I'll just give you a recent example. I would say in, at the end of July, yeah. I felt a real strong stirring, um, you know, waking up at night with dreams and just going, gosh, Lord, is that you, you know, you call me to do like a real urgency right yeah but then my mind gets flooded with a thousand ideas because i'm an idea guy but <laughs> I, go, I, I don't want to just run with some idea i have in my head that's good and just really believe the lord wanted me to spend some time on my face in his presence so i actually devoted the month of august just to prayer Hmm. And, you know, and family prayer on Mondays. And I had uh, church prayer on Wednesdays. I had pastors with uh, a prayer with other pastors in, a, in the region on Fridays. Every day was, uh, you know, just this deep personal time with the Lord, clearing my schedule, fasting, um, the 10 day fast just to hear from the Lord because I'm going, God, I'm looking at scripture and like Psalm 77, verse 13 said, God says, my way is holy. Hmm. That means the way I do things is so 
set apart. You can't figure it out. Like Habakkuk says, if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. Just like <laughs> none of us, none of us would have believed a year ago that every church would be shut down. Yeah. You know, a, a global pandemic. It's like, whoa. So it was just kind of going, God, I don't know what's next. And I'm not going to rely on my own logic and experience mm. because I never would have figured out how you were going to take the Israelites out of Egypt. Yeah. I would never have chosen that path or Joseph's path or Gideon's path or the path of the cross and resurrection or Acts 1. Mm. So who am I to, to believe I know what you're doing right now unless he just speaks to me and leads me? And, and so... For me, a lot of it is just really humbling myself before God and uh, saying, Lord, I don't know, but I will do anything. You just, you just lead me. You just direct me. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm an idea guy too. And uh, on, honestly, um, uh, Francis, this podcast was an idea that, and I had to see, it was just really something God had put in my heart. And uh, it is amazing to see how those, when God gives us an idea and we submit it back to him, um, what he does with it and uh, how he grows with it. So I really appreciate that. It really resonates in my heart and in my spirit. Since you've moved to Hong Kong, um, you know, I think what I'm learning and continue to learn, we've been missionaries now for 20 years, is the importance that culture, as we share the gospel in a relevant way, what that plays. And I, I honestly, when I first, we went to Burkina Faso, I got there, I thought, ah, it's the same, you know, it's, it's going to be the same. And I missed, you know, a young guy, and and I'm sure I still miss, but I, I made mistakes. Since you've got to, to Hong Kong, how have you been learning the culture and the, you know, the premise of the idea that Westerners value forgiveness of sin. We value that in the majority world values, spiritual power and honor. And do you find that to be true or is that a false premise or is that just something that Aaron made, we've made up to make us feel good? Yeah, I think we kind of overdo all of that. <laughs> I mean, you look at scripture and look, it just takes an absolute miracle, um, an act of God. I've spent my whole life uh, as a pastor trying to say things just right, you know, catching people's attention, you know, understanding the culture, trying to, but after all of these years, you realize either the miracle happens or it doesn't. Um, and if it doesn't, I can still talk people into praying a prayer they don't really mean. Um, I can still fill a room with a group of people who really aren't going to heaven. Um, I, I can make people believe they're making spiritual decisions, but it's not the real thing. Um, the Bible is clear. It, the, like, like Jesus says in John 6, I believe it's verse 63, it's the spirit who gives life and the flesh is of no help at all. And that's why you see the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3 saying, this is the reason I bow on my knees before God, because I need him to enlighten the eyes of your heart. I, I need something supernatural to happen so that uh, you can know the love of Christ, which is beyond knowing. It's, it's something he has to do. We're talking about raising the dead. Hmm. And so that you don't really raise the dead contextually um, or with clever speaking. Um, 
you, you, you do it with faith if mm. you're going to do it at all. Mm. And uh, so I, I would just say, sure, you know, to start a conversation, do it however you want. Yeah. Um, but there's power in the gospel itself. And even Jesus himself just says, look, he who has ears, let him hear. Mm. There's a sense in which the son of God didn't try so hard to contextualize things. Um, he just threw it out there, knew it would be offensive, knew it would be foolishness to some, offensive to others, uh, but he was going to say it. And then those who were given ears, mm. and that's why when Peter says, you know, you're the Christ, you know, the son of the he goes, flesh and blood didn't do that. That, yeah. that was, heaven just revealed something to you. Yeah. Do you think our... Do you think our lack of, is it a lack of dependence on God? Because, you know, he's called us to be, to, to, to share the love of Christ, to be, share the gospel. Do you think we, our dependence, we don't want to be dependent on him for those miracles, as you said, because it is, honestly, it's a supernatural thing. It's an eternal thing. Um, do you think it's a lack of dependence or what do you think that we kind of shy away from that, Francis? Well, there's a couple of things. One, uh, one, it could be just what we were taught. It was our pride. It was, you know, people telling you, do it this way, do it this way. This will work. Hmm. And yet you just don't see any of that type of thinking in Scripture. Yeah. Um, the other thing is the ministry is discouraging. Hmm. Uh, in a lot of places, you know, the Nineveh type of thing is rare. Um but you look at all the other prophets and what they had to deal with, that's, that seems so much more the norm. Hmm. And even the scripture says in the end days, uh, there's a lot of falling away, a great falling away hmm. in people's hearts growing cold, their love growing cold because the increase in lawlessness. And so it just gets discouraging when you see a small group of people and then another guy leaves. And so you just start questioning yourself, like maybe I'll try something different to attract more people. And there are things you can do to get more people there, but that doesn't mean that real fruit is happening. So I, I think some of it is just out of discouragement. Hmm. Some of it out of it maybe a misunderstanding of really believing that if we do it right, um, then it will quote unquote work which in our mind means a lot of people repenting and following Jesus for real. And God never gave us that kind of uh, authority yeah. to make it work. Um, our job is obedience to, um, to share the message and, and live it out. So how do you, and with that being said, how do you stay encouraged, Francis, with uh, the... <laughs> Um, you, you know, I have great fellowship. Um, I have great elders, friends that just love the Lord and have learned to find joy even in rejection. Um, you know, obviously, it's that time alone with God every day where I, I still... And like a little kid, sometimes when I'm in his presence and I just go, God, I cannot believe I'm with you right now. I can't believe you're with me. It's just you and me in the room right now. This is insane to me. 
Hmm. And so some of it is I've tasted of the crowds. I've tasted the, the packed stadium and the screaming and it's, it's great. Uh, it's exciting. It's fun, but nothing compares to just that time with the Lord where things are right and that time with true believers that are just seeking his presence. Um, and when you really are in that room, I mean, even, even partaking of the Eucharist and, and remembering the body and blood of Jesus and, and you're with a body of believers and you're just going, wow, we're in your presence right now, God. This is insane. This is so good. Like, like I guess I'm at, at an age or a stage in life where that really excites me. Hmm. And so would I love to see thousands more um, be able to fellowship with us? Yeah, that'd be great. But I'm not going to let it rob that joy. Uh, it doesn't rob the joy of just being with a few believers, experiencing the presence of Christ. And like Jesus told his disciples after they, they cast out the demons and everything else, and he says, hey, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Wow. And that your names are written in heaven. And I just go, yeah, you know what, Lord? Yeah, because ministry is going to come and go. And so I'm not going to rejoice just over numbers and everything else. It's my name's in heaven. You know me, Lord. This is just unbelievable. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Francis, you know, as this year we've went through it, and you, you hit on that, um, the idea that there's people that pack crowds and there's people that are there on the periphery. But what do you believe that, that, that Christ is really saying to the, the disciples, people that are truly following him in this time of uh, destabilization around the world? Um. You know, as I talk to my friends around the world that, that I trust and seem to really have a close walk with Jesus, we're all excited to be in this time. Um, it really feels like we're never going back to the way that it was. Um, and we're kind of grateful for that. Uh, I kind of see it as a, it, I, I keep getting this sense that we're like, um, like we just left Egypt hmm. and, and we're headed somewhere now. And there will be those who say, oh, I wish we just go back to Egypt. I wish we just go back. <laughs> and I'm looking at it going, it really wasn't that great. Uh, you know, like I wasn't seeing a lot of real commitment and seriousness and focus. Um, you know, we felt enslaved to some system and, and I'm going, gosh, it really feels like we're heading towards the end. Mm. And my Bible reading today was uh, Luke 20, 21. And, and it was about, gosh, when all these things happen, lift up your heads for your redemption is near. Mm. And it's like, gosh, I think we're getting there. And uh, what a great time to be alive. And what a great time to warn people. And uh, another thing that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me over the, that month of prayer was, was just about John the Baptist and taking that type of posture 
And the church and believers, true believers, need to take that kind of posture of he was preparing people for Christ coming. And so at first I was just thinking, yeah, 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 you know, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. But it was really just realizing, oh, that's right, that spirit of Elijah, that mindset, and um, it's supposed to be there again as Christ is returning. And we need to call people to repent. The church needs to repent. People who are religious like they were in John's day um, need to repent. Um, people that have been hiding things in their lives, it's time to turn. And the church, which has not resembled a beautiful bride, not someone I'd want to marry, uh, it's a great opportunity um, to prepare for his return. Yeah. And for those of us who are pastors, it's time to beautify um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, prepare the bride um, for the coming of the bridegroom. Yeah. Francis, do you have concerns as you look for, to the future for the church, the big C church? Um, is there things that you that concern you or do you, as you shared, do you think this is a, a time for the church to rise up? Uh, I don't have concerns in the sense of looking at God's promises. This is his doing. He's going to prune out uh, branches that bear no fruit. Hmm. Um, he's going to make the, the church more beautiful. Uh, now, do I have concern for human beings who attend uh, services and think that they are Christians? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think there's been a great, great deception um, in that Jesus did not, you know, I come from the West, and so we're always about options and choices. And we go, well, I don't want to be one of those radical Christians, um, you know, that sells everything. And I, I just want to pray a prayer, know that I'm not going to hell. I won't do anything crazy evil. And it's like, guys, Jesus didn't give us that option, yeah. you know, and then there's a thousand options in between. And same with the church. It's like, well, I don't want to be one of like in one of those radical churches where they, they try to become perfectly one and they, they share everything with each other and, and they become like family or body. I just want to go to one of those places where I can bring my friends for an hour. Sometimes they even play secular music and it's, it's just fun. It's lively. And I, I leave there. I'm so happy. And then there's a thousand options in between and I'm going, but Christ didn't give us any of those options. Yeah. Those are all man-made uh, lies from the pit of hell to deceive people into thinking that there's options of, you know, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me or pray a prayer. And it's like, <laughs> that's not biblical. And so those are my concerns is that a lot of people are going to be shocked, which the Bible says is going to happen, yeah. that many on that day, the day of judgment, will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and we do that? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. That, that, is, that has terrified me since I was a teenager, that same hmm. passage. And it's crazy how it's my same concern today because it's not gotten any better. Wow. 
Wow. Francis, one of the first, um, I think one of the first uh, books I read of yours, you talked about uh, house, the house church and the power of uh, local communities. Um, do you think within the time of COVID that this is an opportunity for the church to move away from that Western model, big building, uh, lights and production, and maybe back to more of the way that it was in Jesus's day? Yeah. I mean, I think it's an incredible opportunity. It's not just about moving away from the big show, um, but it's about experiencing something so much better. Look, Hmm. I've been to the best, okay? The (laughs) best of crazy, you know, just powerful. And I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not even pretending I didn't like it. I enjoyed it. But compared to being in a room with people you know and who are committed to you, that, you know what, they if I starve, they starve with me. Um, it is a brotherhood. It is a family. It is a body. And then when we break bread and remember the body of Christ, when we seek him, even with two or three guys, and we just feel like, oh, man, I'm scared to open my eyes because I feel like if I do, I'm going to see him right in front of me. I feel like I could just reach out and touch him. And you just go, there's nowhere I'd rather be. This is, this is so amazing. Like, it, the two don't compare. Mm. And I'm, I'm just, and, and the thrill, like, these aren't people, okay, like, I would look at some of those commands, you know, love one another just as I've loved you. And I'm like, whoa, just as? So I'm supposed to love this guy next to me as much as Christ loved, for, loved me. That means I would die for him. I would go to the cross for him. Like, that just feels like this burden mm. to love people that much because I like my space. I like my privacy like the next guy. But we're not given that option. And then like with most of God's commands, once you obey them, you realize, wow, this really does lead to life. Hmm. Um, His commands really do lead to life. And I think there's a lot of people, maybe some who are even listening right now who think, ah, I just don't want to do that. I'm a private person. I'm an introvert. Yeah. Join the club. But I, the other thing is I also trust the commands of God that they do lead to life. And part of being a believer is surrendering what you think will bring you uh, the greatest blessing and happiness, surrendering to what God calls you to do, but also trusting that it will lead to life as all of his commands do. Like this repentance is not a bad thing yeah it is it is for our good and for the glory of god and the glory of his church yeah it's so true but honestly when you hear the word repentance it does have at least in my uh west virginia upbringing it's a um it's almost a has a negative connotation but what i hear you saying is it's reframing it into a very positive thing is that what is that what you're sharing yeah, it was a, it is a very positive. If we believe in our heavenly kingdom, yeah. that we have a good king, a great king, um, 
and he promises us that his commands are good and lead to life. Man, and, and just look at your own life. Think about the areas you've repented of. Yeah. Do you really regret that? Like, do I regret not being an angry person? Oh, I miss being angry. <laughs> you know, like, that's dumb. Uh, sure, there's moments where I'd love for it to flare up and, you know, uh, or, so, you know, like there's stupid fleshy things. But in general, overall, 99.9% of the you're, you're just going, I am so glad I'm not that person. Yeah. Even the giving away of our stuff, it's like, oh, God, I am so grateful that I'm not selfish. Yeah. I am so grateful you made me generous. Yeah. Name one miserable, generous person. <laughs> I, I can name thousands of miserable, selfish people. Um, and it, it's just like the loners and everything else that it's just... They're not happy. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm so secure because not only do I know that God's going to provide for me, and he always has, but he provides for me through the body of Christ. I can go anywhere in the world, and I believe I have brothers and sisters there who love me. Hmm. If I don't have a place to live, they'll let me in. Hmm. And if I don't have food to eat, they'll share whatever they've got left. Yeah. And I would do that for them. And there's an incredible security in that. Yeah. And and there's a oneness in that. So That's and just amazing. know repentance, it, it always leads to life. We all yeah. know this. Yeah, yeah. It's phenomenal. One of the uh, things I wanted to ask you about today, too, um, from your most recent book and then some from the podcast I've heard you share about this. You know, we live in a world today where people take sound bites and maybe we'll say something and they'll twist our words and they'll make it into something else that it was not our intention. And I think I heard you share on a podcast one time, you know, you and I are having a conversation today. We didn't plan our words. We didn't plan it all out. We're just having a conversation. So if you say something that if I, Aaron says, well, I should have said that question better, reframed it. And then people say, you know, it's easy to be a, a quarterback and say, I Monday morning quarterback, I'd have changed and done that. But what I see is um, for me, it makes me a lot more hesitant to, to speak the truth and to step out because you're afraid of the criticism that's going to come because it's not this this conversation is not scripted and so how how do we uh, how do we walk into that francis how have you found that um we continue to speak the truth and not be uh destroyed or whatever by the criticism and the attacks that on social media and wherever that that are just uh, it's easy to be criticized on social media anyway i don't know what what have you learned about that and just to encourage our the audience yeah, I mean, we just live in such a strange time. I I really miss ministry 30 years ago where, <laughs> yeah, you know, like pre-internet and, uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones. And it's like if anyone wanted to f- criticize me, they'd have to find me. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and... Uh, and we really didn't know. I really had no clue how to deal with uh, criticism publicly um, when, you know, when news articles got written and anyone could comment below. You know, when that first started and you, you make the mistake of actually reading those. Yes. 
And it is, you know, I'm not gonna pretend I'm some tough guy. It was like, you are kidding me. Hmm. Did they just say that about me? Hmm. Did they just write that article about me? I spent my life trying to live out the exact opposite of what they're accusing me of. Hmm. And ah, it was one of the most sick feelings. I remember one day when the headlines of our town newspaper, you know, just completely misrepresented me. This is like, I don't know, 15 years ago and no longer. I, yeah. Anyways, it, it was, it was devastating. And then, then later it gets worse when it comes from other Christians hmm. that just feel like they understand your motives and um, feel like they know what you did wrong and they've never been in your shoes in that exact situation. And sometimes they're right. Yeah, I, I could have said that better or whatever, but it's the, it's the heart behind it hmm. and the lack of love and, and the way the world sees it and not only that, but your own children and you know, that you just go, gosh, here I am um, trying to tell them how good it is to be a part of the body. Hmm. And then they read some of the things that they write about dad and, and you just go, Lord, please, please, please don't let them become bitter. Um, you know, meanwhile, you're fighting your own feelings and everything yeah. else. And don't let my wife see this or don't, uh, oh, God, um, don't let unbelievers look at all of this ridiculous talk amongst us and um, the pride, the, everything. And God, show me, show me, teach me through this. What am I doing wrong? And, and so I'm not going to just sit here and pretend, oh, here's an easy solution. Hmm. Um, no, there have been tears that have been shed over things that people have said about me. Um, there have been nights where I can't sleep, hmm. just wondering what in the world is going on. Um, but you look you know, for me, and I go, guys, this is nothing. Hmm. This is so trivial compared to what others have gone through. It doesn't feel trivial at the moment, but Mm. you compare yourself with people in scripture. um, It's helpful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you just get that time with the Lord and you recognize he promised this would happen. And, um, and you pray and you try to just maintain a heart of love, even for those who criticize you and, you get a taste of what God, uh, God went through for you. Yeah. Francis, you continue, you continue to speak the truth in love. And that, I think that's one thing that it's, that I have seen, um, in your ministry and in your, and as you've shared, you've lived it out. You've not just espoused ideas and thoughts. You've lived it out and you've continued to model that. And, um, you continue to speak truth in love. Well, how, I mean, is that, is that just from your time with God that he, that he gives you that strength and power? Um, I know there's not an easy solution and I know you can't put it in a bottle and sell it, 
but I think it's yeah. for me, a, a, I'm, I'm a few years younger than you, but it's very encouraging to see somebody that continues to model that continues to live it out and um, maybe discouraged in, in a moment, but doesn't remain discouraged and bitter because of the people, as you shared, the brothers and sisters in Christ, that a lot of times I think those are the ones that hurt the least me. That's the ones that hurt me the most is when it's the people that the brothers and sisters in Christ, how you, but you continue to share the truth in love. How, does that, does that discomfort yeah. your time with God or? I guess, I don't know. I just don't know what else to do. Like it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like what first John talks about, like when his spirit is in you, when his seed is implanted in you, um, I don't know. He just doesn't let you stop. Right. You, you know, first John just kind of walks through and explains like, these are the signs. This, you know, that's why at the, at the end in first John five is, you know, these things are written. So you may know that you have eternal life. But all through the book, he's, the, he's just showing you things that will happen to you because you've taken on the DNA of God. You can't walk by those who are poor and say, oh, I hope you are warm and well-fed. You, you just you can't. The love of Christ is in you, and you can't neglect his church. Um, this is a gift that God gives us by his spirit that I can't, I, I haven't, while there's maybe moments where I want to quit, uh, they're so fleeting. I just know there's this like this, this base, this bulwark, this pulling, like I'm a slave to what's right. And that's why he says, you know, you can't hate your brother. And I just go, I can't, I've tried and I can't. It's, it's like, I want to be angry at times. And it's like the spirit won't let me. Um, I am a fighter and I want, and I am competitive and I want to fight back. And it's like, ah, oh, I just can't. And, and he reminds me of his grace. Even yesterday I was praying with my son-in-law and, and um, he was just talking about, we were talking about how many people, even in our local church that we were just concerned might still not get it. Mm. Um, because they care so much about other things. Mm. Um, but he brought up in prayer just how he's just thankful. Like he's like that blind man in, in Luke, I believe it's 18 or 17, where he just cries out, you know, have mercy on me. Mm. And God heals him. And, um, and I was like, it just kind of hit me. I'm like, yes, that's why, that's why we don't, uh, become judgmental and hmm. it, as foolish as that blind man uh, judging other blind people. Like what's your problem? Yeah. Uh, instead of going, Oh, I got to tell you what God did for me. Yeah. I can see now it was this guy. It was this Jesus person that came and, and, and he just, you know, I begged for mercy and he showed me how beautiful he is. And I, I just look at my life that way. Like, and I think that keeps me from getting angry or judging others. It's like, I don't know, for some reason, I see Jesus as so beautiful, so worth it. Um, I, I, I just, I see how all of this is going to be worth it in the end. Yeah. Any tiny bit of suffering 
So I don't even really think about quitting. I just yeah. think about God more and more. I want to experience you more. Yeah. And that's the other thing is I'm, uh, it's almost like an adrenaline junkie. It's like, God, there's nothing like the feeling I get when you are using me. And I feel like it's your spirit using me to impact other people. Uh, can I experience that again? Can I feel that again? Yeah. Um, Cause it's what I'm made for. That's awesome. That's awesome. Francis, do you have, we'll, we'll go into a time of prayer after this, but do you have a word for encouragement? Maybe there's somebody today that, um, that that's listening to this podcast that is maybe they're, they're sharing the truth with love and they're not seeing all the, the fruits and they feel pressure maybe from supporters that they should have a church full of a thousand people. And maybe they're, they're still sharing with one. Um, and, uh, or maybe there's somebody that is just, uh, they're tired, they're worn out, they're laboring, um, but they're just worn out today. Or maybe there's somebody that's listening in and they have, they feel um, just uh, fatigued by the, the attacks and the criticism from those. Maybe they're working on teams. One of the main reasons people leave the mission field is because of the people they work with, the brothers and sisters in Christ having <laughs> conflict. Do you have just have a word of encouragement for somebody today? They maybe that they're just uh, they're walking in a season of discouragement. Yeah, I, I guess first, you know, we are commanded rejoice in the Lord always. Hmm. I'll say it again: rejoice. Um, a command to rejoice. Uh, and you have the Ephesians five, where the Spirit-filled man, the Spirit-filled person, is. You know, where he says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, you know. Uh, and he just talks about a person who is always giving thanks to mm -hmm. God in everything in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we get discouraged, one of the first things to go is thanksgiving and, re you know, and rejoicing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we wonder why we're not feeling like we're Spirit-filled. Because hmm. um, we're focused on the the negative, and that's why even in that passage of rejoicing in the Lord always, you know, He closes it out with um, verses seven, eight. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, excellent, praiseworthy, you know, like let your mind dwell on these things. Like we have to learn to kick out. Um, these other things in order to dwell on the things mm. that are excellent and praiseworthy good. to be spirit-filled people who are always thanking God. We have a lot to be thankful for. Mm. Um, and so thank God for those things. Spend time thanking God for those things. And then the other thing I would say, be very careful um, We don't want that critical spirit towards other people. Uh, we all want to experience the grace of God and scripture is so clear that comes from humility. Hmm. Um, so just, you know, when people attack, it's so easy to feel slighted and get proud and just kind of feel like others don't get it, but you do. And 
once you pin down that road, it's, it's, you're headed towards the opposition of God yeah. rather than the grace. And so, man, you guys just know that we are, we're called to suffer. Um, hmm. This is what he promised us in this world. We will have troubles, but hmm. take heart. He's overcome the world. And, uh, it's just too short. It's too short. And especially now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we should see those signs. We should see, okay, this really looks like what we're reading about in scripture, at least more than any other point in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, just the craziness of the world right now, wars and rumors of wars and tribulation and all sorts of signs on the earth and pestilence and whatever else. It's like, whoa, uh, this is the first time in my lifetime that everyone's talking about death and hmm. um, craziness of the world. And it's not just one region of the world. It's hmm. everyone for the first time. And it's like, wow, this is uh, this is the time we live in. So now is not the time uh, to back off, shrink back, or be afraid, man, let's hold on together. Yeah. Uh, don't let the enemy, I mean, the Bible promises the increase of lawlessness is going to cause many, their love to grow cold. Hmm. Uh, that was the warning. Don't let it happen. Not now. Don't be one of those. That's all. I appreciate it so much. Francis, will you pray for us um, and pray for the audience today in whatever direction God leads and guides you? Yeah, Jesus, 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 precious Jesus, holy, holy, holy Father, you are so good. You are so good. Your ways are so far beyond ours. What an honor to be speaking to you right now, the creator of everything. Forgive us when our view is so myopic and we just see a little problem in front of us, Lord, and we forget to compare that to you in all of your glory. You who spoke the world into existence. You who placed the sins of the world upon your one and only Son. Oh, God, forgive us for focusing on the wrong things losing our joy. God, right now I rejoice in you that you are my God. We rejoice in our King. We have a great King. And so, Lord, right now I lift up my brothers and sisters who are serving all over this earth in your name. Satan would love, Lord, you know this. The enemy just wants to take them all down. He wants to have them feel miserable like you have left them. He, he wants them to question your promises because maybe they don't feel you right now. God, but greater is he who is in us. Oh, your spirit is so powerful. Oh, Jesus, we trust your word. And I ask that by the power of your spirit right now, as people hear my voice, that they would experience the power of the Holy Spirit. 
comforting their hearts, reminding them of everything you taught Jesus while you're on earth, supernaturally ministering to every one of your servants, every one of your children. God, give them perseverance, Lord, until you return. Let us be found faithful, suffering everything we needed to, so that we're not ashamed at your return. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you for your good and precious commands. Thank you for this amazing calling that we've been given to be your, your prophets, your spokespeople, your shepherds. We love you, Father, and we love serving you. We want to end our lives on earth serving you faithfully so that we can run into your presence and hear well done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.